way that I see it is like me as a person, I would say that I walk between walls, like very fluidly. Like, and when I mean walls, I mean walls of labels and relationships and these confinements and stereotypes. This is Champagne is also a band podcast. One songwriter, one song. I'm Sven, your host for a journey into the music of Champagne Urbana. Recorded in the Blue Box studio with a songwriter from the Champagne Urbana music scene, past or present. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to be a part of the Champagne Showers podcast network. Welcome to Champagne is Also a Band podcast. Today, I have Dexter Anodyne, and you may know her from the Greenhouse Opera. She is a Springfield performer, and I like to think of her as CU adjacent. In the interview that I had with Activator Magazine, they mentioned her as someone I should talk to and meet, and so I'm bringing her in because I find her music interesting. And I also really appreciate her contributions to the the Activator magazine as well. Dexter, welcome to the program. Hi, (laughs) thank you. Today we're going to be listening to her song, Brink of Summer, off of the album Weeping Venus, which was released in 2019. So without further ado, let's listen to the song.
sometimes just for me I've power this time around marble count flowing Energy's growing Put in our motion creators in our fingertips Vulnerable spread wide open magnetic networks just spoken now if my network and mine has to just myself could digest the intellect of true nature I work ourselves included the nest is rooted a Welcome back. So, my favorite question is always to ask, what came first, the lyrics or the music? It was the music, for sure. That's typically how my process goes, is writing a song and then putting lyrics on top. When you start off with the music, is your preferred instrument like a a guitar or is it like a keyboard? Because, you know, this song doesn't necessarily... Hit me as a as a guitar song. It's really more of kind of the keys synth kind of sound. Is that your usual technique? It's not. The way that I record music is a lot different than how I perform music. When I perform music, my main instrument is my vocals, and either I'll play guitar or piano with it. But when I am producing it in a program, I have more freedom, so it's much more experimental, but it is less common for me to take that approach. How did you discover this music when you first started this this song, Brink of Summer? Was there just a chord that you hit that you were like, okay, that's it? Or were you just playing and a riff came out? Or Yeah, I was playing with the presets on Pro Tools and just seeing what it had. And then I found this synth and I really liked it. And then I just added on and on and on until the song was complete and it kind of came out of nowhere. <laughs> once once you had your music like solidified in your head, or did you even have it solidified before you started putting lyrics to this? I think it kind of came together both at the same time because in order to continue the song, I needed vocals. So it was kind of back and forth between adding instrumentation and adding vocals, but the instrumentation was the foundation of the song as it was being made. Was this song like constructed in Pro Tools? It was built completely in Pro Tools. I've never played it live and oh. um, at this point in time I haven't been able to play it live because it has so many instruments. Like how did the how did the words kind of come to you? Was there something that brought about these words to you or were you just thinking cuz the beginning of this is so meditative. Was there a, a particular instance that brought this out? Well, I've always considered myself a very theatrical performer, and that comes out in my lyrics, so it's very big. I've been interested in psychedelic music and modern psych music, and that's what I was aiming for when I was making that album and when I was leading Greenhouse Opera. And I think when it comes to music, the lyrics are the most important part because they add substance to what you're feeling And my lyrical inspirations are bands like Tool and Radiohead, things that are very thought-provoking and very self-aware. So the song is kind of, I suppose, like a story where this person is inviting you to 
a hidden spring, and it's kind of like the whole Weeping Venus aesthetic is about being in Nirvana and being in heaven, and it's kind of a metaphor for the way I felt when the album was being produced. I had recently left a lot of toxic relationships where a lot of people were trying to control me, a lot of misogyny, and just some unhealthy relationships where I felt trapped. And when I was writing that album, I was fresh out of those toxic relationships and I was finally given room to breathe and step into myself on my own terms. And that's what that song is kind of speaking on is just freeing yourself from the restraints of society and of people. And I think it's kind of about cleansing yourself. And the lyrics do speak on a bit of being free sexually, like freeing yourself sexually. It's interesting to me that the whole album was this kind of regaining of of self in a way. Do you see this song as a reclaiming of who you are and kind of you as yourself, but also allowing yourself then to be vulnerable with somebody again? Like you're like, I'm, I'm past that point of it everything being shitty that you can finally feel safe with another person and and like be free the way that i look at it now is i feel like people should be able to be comfortable as an individual like independently like without relying on other people for completion or validation and that's kind of where i was at was yes being vulnerable in the way that i'm deciding to be unafraid of people judging me for being myself. It was almost like stepping up into a new level of enlightenment for me because I discovered all of these things about life that I guess I I wasn't seeing it because the people that were surrounding me had me in a box. And being vulnerable definitely was a big part of it. I'm still in a part of my life where I I'm struggling to trust people again. So I wouldn't necessarily say that it's about being vulnerable with others. It's more so being vulnerable with yourself and not letting other people challenge that. When did it go from this in your in your mind as you were writing this? Like y- you had that very meditative and so water as it is am I, th- which I think of water kind of flowing and it's, it's kind of this free and it just kind of it fills in wherever it feels to fill which you feel like this very calming sense. The The thing that, that gets me is like your your harmonies during that part, you have some very close harmonies, like there's some seconds in there and they're just like, they're beautiful and they're, they're kind of chime-like in a way. Were you intending to be like word coloration with that or was that just, this sounds beautiful and that's that's how my harmonies work? I didn't really have a lot planned for the sound of the song besides just like, experimenting and then keeping what I like but um, I can touch on the whole water aspect about it because that line does mean a lot to me. The way that I describe the way that I live is basically like fluid like water as in like you said um, shape-shifting and ever-changing and merciful with itself. The way that I see it is like me as a person I would say that I walk between walls like very fluidly like and when i mean walls i mean walls of labels and relationships and these confinements and stereotypes like what is and isn't a gender what is and isn't a relationship 
or an identity of some sort. And I feel like as people, we are so complex and so ever-changing like water that we have the ability to walk through these walls without being confined by them. I don't know. I do, I do feel like taking a deep breath when I hear that that whole first section. And then you jump into this bass and drums riff. How were you thinking of that transition? It, it feels abrupt and empowering. Was there something that you were just picturing in your head when you were writing these words? The marble gown flowing, energy growing, creation at our fingertips... And, and like this magnetic network, short spoken. Some of these are just beautiful words to say, but they also have like these powerful imageries attached to them. But also it's kind of like something that just kind of hangs off in the back of your head. I'm curious what your, what your sense was all, with all of this. Something I tend to visualize when it comes to relationships with people is something Bjork would say describing cables and and she would have like visuals of like cables coming out of her body and and I think of that as being like our human connection with one another. So when I think of a network, it's your cables are extending off into other people and their cables into yours and each cable is like a part of you where you connect and it creates a network of spiritual energy and consciousness then there's a lyrics of the nest and the nest is your kind of nuclear family of your relationships the people who are closest to you and who make you feel safe and it's just kind of describing the magnificence of the complex nature of human consciousness and how we interact with one another what is your favorite line in this piece I think it would be the one that you mentioned previously about water. Water as it is, as am I. And also it kind of felt like something the Beatles would say. <laughs> like how long have you been writing music? Um, hmm. I've been writing music for... Gosh. I've been writing music my whole life. I was playing piano as a toddler and a little kid and I've always played piano so I've always been writing but when it comes to lyrics I I didn't really start writing lyrics until I was like 14 or 15 probably and I'm 22 now so it's been a long time and then how long have you been performing when I was in school I did like um school talent shows and I did choir and stuff but I I didn't really seriously perform or even know about the music community until about two years ago so it's huh. still really fresh to me. Are you working on recording something new? I'm hoping to. I'm trying to upgrade my computer and my DAW and my tools and stuff, but it seems like a never-ending struggle to get what you need all together. So um, it's in the air. Like A new album is in the air, and the songs are written, but it's just a matter of getting your resources, which is the hardest part about being a, a hobbyist. Um, right now, um, I'm trying to kickstart getting all my ducks in a row as well because I've been planning on um, live streaming and collaborating online with other musicians and just making do with what I have. I did take a long break from music because I did burn out last December because it was such a heavy workload. Um, and then plus the pandemic just killed everything. But now I'm trying to get something started and so that I can get my music out, whether it's live streaming or producing a new album or or something like that. I've seen you perform at least on YouTube and some of your own private sessions where you're recording and, and looping. And uh, I have to say, I, I think your your looping is, is 
pretty amazing. And I think... Thank you. How did you get into looping? You do a pretty good job of like mixing both your voice and guitar. How did you develop that? Oh, I actually despise looping. Um, <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad I asked. <laughs> um, it's become pretty convenient, especially since I'm a soloist and it's more simple than getting a bunch of people into a room and exerting all this energy. How I got started was I joined my boyfriend's band before we were dating and it was a live looping project and there were three of us and all three of us contributed like multiple instruments into this single loop. It was so stressful and it took us like an hour to set up because of all of the cables and all the setup and the instruments. It was too much to execute realistically, but it definitely made us all a hundred times better at getting loops on time because we were constantly practicing. Why Why is this your, your favorite song that you've written? The feeling, the vibe of the song expressed how I was feeling as a person, just empowered and free. But also I've been trying to like create psychedelic music for a while and I'm just like terrible at it for some reason. So I finally I finally made this psychedelic song that I'm really happy with. So that's why it ended up my favorite. COVID-19 got you down? You looking for some music? Some video games? Well, Exile Main Street still has all the things you need. New and used LPs, CDs, and video games. Exile Main Street still has something for any music enthusiast and old-school gaming devotee. Exile Main Street is taking orders, making deliveries, and pickups by appointment. They can find just about any music or video game you need. Check out their website, ExileMainStreet.com, for links to their Discogs page for new additions. You can also contact them via Facebook Messenger to see what they can find for you. They can also be reached on Instagram, Twitter, email, or phone at 217-398-MAIN. That's 217-398-6246. Welcome back. Dexter, as someone who's performed in Springfield, is there a favorite venue? One that you would say is kind of your home base? I feel like all of the venues I play at are kind of like home base because I play all of them just as much as each other. I would say that my favorite venue is Buzz Bomb because the owners are super cool and they care a lot about giving back to the community and they just, they do it very well. They get the creatives involved with everyone else it's just i don't know it's very fulfilling and wholesome okay so you may hear my dogs in the background so say hi to colt sea dog and bernoulli so do you have a favorite like springfield band or or group or solo artist that you just like really blows your hair back or yeah um I have a lot of local music from Springfield that I admire. I think my favorite music-wise with like for the music they put out would be Vincent Sebastian. He's in Chicago now, but we played a lot of shows together and he has like this pop synth modern psych album called Interference that I really loved and I thought it was done really well. So we collaborate a lot. I think my favorite journey is Ricky Marvel because she has... 
just a very familiar journey to me and she's brought a lot of light to the idea of intersectional feminism very much about being aware of everyone's privilege or lack of and being very pro black lives matter pro lgbtq and she has a very interesting story and because springfield is so small we are kind of lacking in diversity so with ricky we have a, a source of perspective as a community of how to look at things and deal with them. If you were to look back, you know, before the COVIDs, was there a show that did just was was amazing in Springfield or or what was the venue and, and what w- who were the artists? They don't have to be, obviously have to be uh, Springfield people, but the, the venue, Springfield. I think it was at Black Sheep, but I'm not sure if it's Black Sheep or Dumb Records where which venue it was. But I saw this band called Bermuda Triangle where um, it was a trio and it was two guys and a, and a drummer. And the two guys were a bass player and a guitarist. They were just like riff masters. They would just like play these amazing guitar riffs and then they would switch instruments and then just like play riffs on the other guy's instrument. And it was really cool. What are your plans for the live streams? I'm hoping to live stream my art process because I make paintings um, and also live sets of, of me playing my own music from a quarantined location. Um, I've had a lot of discussions lately with several people about the concept of live streaming because obviously it's becoming the, the hot commodity of the entertainment industry, especially for locals, but... Um, musicians specifically i think are kind of being choked out of our opportunities through like like facebook and youtube and so we have to figure out how to live stream and produce content from the uncensored safety of our own place so what i'm thinking of is a lot of people are telling me to try twitch because it's like the best thing away from YouTube and away from Facebook because YouTube and Facebook are kind of not treating people very well. My ultimate goal is to just have everything on my own website so that external like sources can't touch it. Right. Um, I've had a bad relationship with YouTube for a while because when I was a teenager, I used to make all of my content on YouTube and I would like covers and music videos and stuff out all the time and um, there was a point where I was monetized but they cut off my monetization and then didn't give me any of my money so me specifically I just don't have a very good relationship with them because they prioritize like marketing and product sales type of people influencers and stuff they don't really care to protect anyone gotcha okay it's going to be interesting to see how that shift happens where I think back maybe 10 years ago and it was like Bandcamp was just like this little thing that, you know, it was never a concept that you could just self-release, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it was like, well, if I'm lucky, I might be able to get something on iTunes or whatever. But now you can put stuff up on Bandcamp and other, you know, other services that you know, that you don't have to pay a penny for. You just put it up right. there and, and and it puts so much power in the in the musicians, the artists' hands, um, that I I just I would love to see something very, very similar happen with 
the streaming and live uh, live shows through the internet. I think that it's very unfortunate, and I wish that there was a better way that um, some of these uh, social media services, such as Facebook, could um, deal with it, because that's just... Right. I mean, how many... I, I don't know if you've done any open mics in, in the meantime, but, you know, doing doing open mics and then streaming those into into facebook it's just like how is it how is this a thing i can't believe it it's just amazing how do you make this happen and and now it feels like that's getting oh yeah it's amazing yeah uh, sorry for interrupting i think it's amazing that kind of overnight everyone figured out how to connect despite not being able to leave their homes well Um, it's funny i i mean I, i i hope you don't mind but that's totally Anyway, that that totally brings me back to the to the song that we were talking about. You know, just this kind of you're talking about being like a network and and like feeling having to feel connected. It's you know, as we got into this this pandemic and we had to be isolated, it's like we we figured out every little way that we could to connect with one another and you know, I I think, you right. know, our I think our true nature uh you know, to to kind of almost quote um a quote from your song is like it, our true nature was to like get back into connecting with one another and and like we did it at any right. any means necessary in some ways so right it is also scary though because i see it mostly on facebook but the way we interact with each other we're we're desperate to communicate but also because we're communicating indirectly we have all this rage all this anger i feel like facebook is probably going to not last much longer because everyone hates being on it we are only held to it through addiction i feel like and that's just my personal experience but it's just it's so negative and it's because you know if you say something that's so like aggressive on facebook like you want to think, like, is this something that I would say to them if I was talking to them in person? We feel protected on the internet, and it's almost like we, we become different people, and it changes our minds and changes the way that we think about interacting with each other, and it's almost scary to think about how that's going to continue progressing. What to you makes a good scene? A good scene. Um, it takes an even distribution of involvement I love Springfield because it's very small and intimate, but also they have so much ambition to make up for being a small city. And so they're always putting out new stuff. But something that I love about Peoria is that there's a lot more people contributing in smaller ways. So because of that, we have more niches and more um, hobbies, more like cliques and interests and musical and creative diversity. And I think that's important. Another thing that I think is really important to any community is accountability. I feel like as a woman, a big problem that women have been talking about for a long time in the creative community is that we are definitely marginalized as women. We are the minority of a whole. Because of that, there are a lot of people in power who are protected um, because they are men, because of the whole rape culture, victim blaming culture, and it does go both ways. There are a lot of women who have a lot of power and therefore have the ability to abuse their power and affect people in negative ways. And I feel like accountability, like I said, is really important. Calling these people out, making sure that they don't have the means to abuse people and also 
thinking critically about how we can maybe bring them back into the community in a safe way. Or not if it's totally unobtainable and they're just like out of control. Accountability is a big thing because a lot of people like in every community all over the world, power creates the ability to abuse situations and abuse people. And so it's just it's important to hold people accountable to keep everyone safe. I do get the sense sometimes that there's kind of a a um, monetization or, or like evaluation of people and their talents and sometimes throwing that around as a certain sense of power like mm. creating kind of a, a class of you know of of trying to pretend as if people some people have more more talent than others and and valuing certain genres over others and i i feel like that's also kind of a power dynamic that gets created sometimes and yeah keeping people accountable i feel like if that was done well would also keep that in check as well i think what you're describing is elitism yeah there are people who are maybe fan favorites or who have specific relationships with other people who are in power and have the ability to like sway the flavor palette of the community I think it is important to call that out as well. Like, it is a sense of privilege to be put on a pedestal by the community. And because of the difficult past day I came from, I believe that there is forgiveness for people who are willing to change. That's why I think it's not a big deal to call anyone out in the first place. Because... A lot of it is an ego thing. It's hard to remember that sometimes ego is driven by a lack of confidence and a lack of mm. feeling safe in themselves even. Right. Yeah, sometimes when somebody comes sauntering in with a big ego and sometimes I have to try to remind myself that, you know, it may be that they secretly feel like shit. Right. And you just have to accept that, now, now, I'm not saying that that should condone if their behavior makes other people feel unsafe or feel right. where it puts somebody else at, at risk or, or threat. Oh, yeah. It's it's a difficult conversation to have because a lot of it is ego is refusing responsibility for your end of a situation. And a lot of it is mental illness. And we're in a time now where we are encouraged to be more self-aware and that means being self-aware of our mental illnesses and things like that. It's about like being gentle with people and like I said, thinking critically, like what are all of the things that are causing this to happen, not just pointing fingers or blaming someone. When something is common knowledge, when everyone knows somebody did something horrible, it's how do we do this? How do we deal with this the right way? Like, how do we get our emotions out of it and deal with it appropriately? A lot of it is people just lie. I don't know. I'm kind of fresh out of dealing with a narcissist and of being affected by it. I don't know. It, it's a difficult conversation. I really appreciate you being open and honest and, and um, expressing trying to deal with those those issues and also um, kind of moving on all at the same time. And it, it's a very difficult question. It's like, you know, I mean, people's hearts, minds, and spirits were involved in this. And um, right. I, I mean, you, you, some people are crushed by this. And it's like, 
that's not, I mean, and, and to ask for some people to forgive is, is practically Im- impossible. Oh yeah. But I, I'm just, I'm just, I, some of this is me just kind of talking out on it and I'm, and I right? mean. No, I love that you're saying that because like, I do believe in second chances because I do think people change, but yes, everyone was affected. That's. That's the thing about accountability is not forgetting who was affected and and keeping that in mind when we're dealing with complex situation like that. I, I definitely agree. Like, I hope I didn't come off as like victim blaming or no, anything. No, no, no. no absolutely but- not. No, no, no. Absolutely <laughs> not. No, I was just, I was like, I'm, that's, that was me verbally processing like, um, right. You know, like what what would that even look like? I guess because I, I haven't seen the other side of that. I, I don't know, like how how <laughs> like once the process kind of works itself out or doesn't work itself out, it's like it's it's in process. And so that was mm. me just kind of processing. I think I do need to clarify though because I'm getting ahead of myself. When I say I come from a difficult past, I'm talking about how I've been in a relationship where I felt unsafe for so long that I watched myself go crazy. So I know what it's like to feel crazy, to not be clear-headed, and to essentially go off the deep end. And because of that, I also believe in recovery stories because I myself am experiencing a recovery story. But that isn't the same for everybody. There are abusers who are unsalvageable. There are rapists, murderers, pedophiles, manipulators, emotionally abusive people, psychologically abusive people, and they don't belong in society. And the problem is we can't give them room for redemption because they are are not acknowledging these bad behaviors that they consistently show, these patterns. I think my point is that accountability shouldn't be a big deal to people because when people can hold themselves accountable, they give themselves at least a chance for redemption. And redemption to some people can be a form of justice. The victims, though, the victims do have to process emotions very intense emotions they develop trauma things that they carry into the rest of their lives and they deserve to have voices they deserve to speak on their feelings they deserve to have a safe space and to feel justice so justice comes in many forms whether it is removing abusive people from the community which ends up being the case because of the reluctancy to hold yourself accountable. But justice can also be two people recovering from an an illness, what essentially becomes an illness. I think I did come off wrong because I jumped straight into that whole redemption idea without explaining my logic behind it. But yeah, abusers who don't hold themselves accountable don't belong in society and should not be forgotten for what they do to people. And That is why accountability is so important. Even in the midst of the current coronavirus pandemic, the Jubilee Cafe is continuing to serve packaged home-cooked meals free to all every Monday evening, 5 to 6.30 p.m. Meals are available for pickup outside the 6th Street door to the Community United Church of Christ in Champaign, Illinois, 805 South 6th Street. 
Jubilee Cafe's mission remains the same. Feed hungry people by cooking healthy and delicious meals. We are open to anyone who cares to receive a meal. For information on the meal or how to volunteer, go to the Jubilee Cafe CUCC Facebook page or email us at jubilee.cafe at community-ucc.org. Dexter, what is your favorite non-musical thing? Probably my dog. <laughs> uh, I thought about that question a lot, and it's hard to decide because like, I have so many things like that I love. You can name a whole bunch of things if you'd like, because I'm, I'm happy to talk about all of them. Um, <laughs> but but what's, what's your dog's name? His name is Sonny. He's an Australian Shepherd. Where'd you get uh, Sonny? Um... Well, he's technically my boyfriend's family's dog, but me and him are, like, in cahoots with each other. Like, me, like, I'm the dog's favorite. Uh Uh, (laughs) Uh-huh. And I spend the most time with him. I'm not really allowed to take him out much because he's, like, kind of our disabled little baby. Like, he's, like, ever since he was a puppy, he was always sick. And he's been, like, through, like, numerous surgeries for numerous reasons. He's just very fragile and... So we have to treat him like that. So, like, I'll take him to the park sometimes, or I've taken him to um, pet shop before and let him pick out toys and stuff. But, like, mainly we just hang out in my backyard. (laughs) You seem to want to say a few other things that were, like, favorite things of yours. Was there anything else? Yeah. um, I think... um, Cause I'm I'm like really manic and I'm a busybody and I think that like I just love expressing myself and that comes out in more ways than music. Like I I paint and I take like photos and I love like fashion and making outfits and drawing and making characters and like aesthetics and stuff. Like kind of like I feel like my whole life is just a giant mood board where I'm just cramming stuff onto it. <laughs> Did you study? You know art and music in school or were you in like the theater department at uh, at your school i've been to a lot of schools just from moving and stuff the school that i was at the longest didn't really have like theater or anything like that there's a um a general art class and there's a choir class they were still like incredibly important outlets to me and my music teacher was just dedicated beyond words to give us everything that she could despite being in maybe a low budget community when i was a kid i had like a little like rinky dink keyboard and i was just like always playing that because i was just like inside all the time it didn't really have many friends and that's how that started your sense of characters and your fashion it does seem like a theatrical performance and so i was curious if if that was something that it was like something that you did in school, but if it didn't really specifically come from school, where do you think that that comes from, that theatrical kind of sensibility? And if if I'm not supposed to call it a theatrical thing, like, um, what do you think? It's like this being able to embody these different characters. And it seems like that's something that's very strong in you. And so I was just curious, like, where do you think that that comes from? I'm not sure. I think I'm just extra. Just extra? <laughs> things just like pop into my head so I don't really know how to explain like how I got there but I 
feel like I have a sense of what's going to get people's attention and just being bold, I suppose. And I'm not trying to like toot my own horn, horn and call myself bold, but I love when things are bold and, and in your face and and things that like kind of crawl into you and force you to look at them. And yeah. I'm not saying that that's me, but I enjoy like making things that turn heads, I guess. Maybe I was just like sick of being in this boring little town of like racist white people and I was just sick of like being bunched into this community that I didn't relate with. I don't I don't know like if it means anything like I really look up to like Lady Gaga cuz she's a total freak. And I look up to Bjork because she's a total freak. And I just love people who are eccentric, and I'm drawn to that. And I think that those influences helped me into being a complete weirdo. (laughs) Dexter, thank you for being on the show, telling me about your song Brink of Summer. And we got to talk a little bit about Weeping Venus, the album that was released in 2019. Although you're, you're not necessarily a direct part of the Champaign-Urbana music scene, you have definitely been a part of the central Illinois music scene, and the influence definitely creeps into the Champaign-Urbana music scene, and I can't wait until we can actually have live shows and you can come on out. I, I really appreciate your your take on, you know, what makes a really good scene, and like, how do we kind of grow beyond what what's happening now, and, and how do we make the scene a better place for for everybody and um do we move on do we um forgive and and i i don't know i really look forward to hearing some new things from you i really appreciate you taking the time to to talk with me it was great yeah thanks for having me and reaching out and stuff Thank you for listening to Champagne is also a band podcast. This is Dexter Anodyne reminding you, great music is out there. Go find it where you live. You almost have an NPR voice, it's so good.